inquirers and welcome to the expanse of deep open-minded conversation i'm the one they call shane and in today's discussion we uncover the man and folklore behind some of the coolest art i've come across in the cryptic community if you love the ambiance of old newspaper articles i highly recommend checking out today's guest's work but before we get into this fascinating conversation today we of course have to do the front of house Don't forget to go and check out the show across social media and video platforms. I am on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, and Discord. Always trying to build those up. So uh, any follow, any like, all of that is uh, greatly appreciated. And if you want to pop in specifically and have some awesome conversation with some like-minded individuals, don't forget about the Discord. Show it a little bit of love. Uh, Trying to build that up. There's a lot more interaction going on with each passing day. And I know that you guys want to jump on the ground floor of that and keep expanding it because I love talking to you guys, love hearing what you guys have to say. And there's a lot building up and going on in the Discord. So highly, highly recommend going and checking that out. And if anybody's interested in being a guest on the show or possibly having me as a guest on your show, or if you're interested in sponsoring the show in some way, shape, or form, you guys can get a hold of me through email or through social media. Instagram and Facebook are the ones that I'm the most active on. Or you guys can email me at inquiriesofallrealitypodcast at outlook.com. Or you guys can go to the link tree, fill the submission form that says contact me, and I will get back to you as soon as I possibly can. And I do respond to every single message I get, so make sure you guys check your spam or junk folders, make sure nothing gets missed in the process. And if anybody has an encounter to report, no matter how big, no matter how small, whether it's uh, extraterrestrial, uh, paranormal, cryptid-related, weird anomaly happening, any of that kind of stuff, I would absolutely love to hear about it. Uh, You guys can report your encounters to OMMEncounterReports at Outlook.com, or you guys go to the link tree, and there is a specific submission form for that. And depending on what you want to do with your encounter, either one, I can read it on the show and give you a shout-out, or I could possibly have you on as a guest to talk about your experiences on the show, Or if you're somewhere relatively close to me, then I can go and investigate it. Or if you just want somebody to talk about it with and you don't want it to get out to anybody besides us, that's totally possible too. Uh, We'll have some back and forth. Just uh, don't forget to email me and talk to me about your encounters. And uh, if you can't get enough of what I do, don't forget to go and check out Bizarre Encounters, my other awesome show that I do with my co-host, Oren. A little bit different than the format from this show. Uh, This one's all interview and open discussion based where that is all of my and Oren D. Orange deep dives. And uh, we do have some guests on within the mix, of course, but primarily that show has turned to us doing our deep dives. So if that sounds like something that might interest you, don't forget to go and check that show out. And uh, if you guys like the banter, you guys like the back and forth that Orn and I have on that show, don't forget to submit some questions for Bizarre Inquiries. That is the uh, mini show that Orn and I started doing where we discuss what if scenarios or any of your guys' awesome listener questions and let it get into a long chain of discussion. And, uh, 
at least for now, um, there will be one episode a month that gets posted onto YouTube and onto the normal feed. And all of the rest of the episodes for the month will be a Patreon exclusive. So everybody get a little taste of it. But if you can't get enough of it, don't forget to go and check that out as the Patreon exclusive if you want to get episodes of that every single week. But no matter what, if you submit a question, uh, even if it is a Patreon episode, if you are the person that submitted that question, I will get a copy of it to you. Because of course, if you submit an awesome question, you will definitely get the opportunity to listen to the episode no matter what. And uh, if you guys want to keep tabs on everything I do all in one place, don't forget to go and follow Open Minds Media across social media. I keep a lot of stuff under that just because it makes it a little bit easier for me to keep both my shows in one place, such as uh, the YouTube, the TikTok, the Discord, and of course the Patreon. All of that is under Open Minds Media instead of specifically Inquiries of All Reality or Bizarre Encounters. And if you guys want to support the show, there's a couple different ways to do so. Number one that I want to build up as much as possible this year is the Patreon. Over there, you'll get not just this show, but you'll also get Bizarre Encounters, uh, Bizarre Inquiries, and anything else that I expand on. I recently updated a lot of those tiers. There is four tiers available, and there's a lot of new benefits involved with those. So even if you've checked them out in the past, don't forget to go and check them out now. Uh, Hopefully, they will be a lot more user-friendly, and you guys will enjoy some of the new benefits that I'm offering. But definitely go and check that out. And there is also a free trial period for seven days for the uh, $3 and the $5 tier. So if you guys want to get a little taste, see what it's all about, uh, that is definitely a viable option over there. But you'll get things such as ad-free episodes, early access to episodes, lives of episodes, live replays of episodes, which is the video format of it. Uh, You guys will also get exclusive merch store discounts. Uh, There's exclusive giveaways and there's special items that you can get only from becoming a Patreon member. That is some of the stuff that I recently updated because I know a lot of you guys like more of the tangible stuff. So that is definitely something that I'm offering as far as the Patreon goes. So I can't say it enough. Don't forget to go and check it out. See if any of it might suit you Um, because the only way I'm ever going to be able to do this full time and possibly get to do things that I enjoy every single day, put out new content for you guys every single day is if I keep building that up as much as humanly possible. And if you guys want to donate to the show directly, make it so I can get out to more events to be able to meet more of you guys, get new pockets of listeners. You guys can donate through Cash App, PayPal, Venmo, or Red Circle, which is the RSS host for the show. And if you guys donate uh, and it doesn't give you some type of option to leave a personalized message, uh, let me know what you guys donated. And of course, I will give you a big shout out on the show. And uh, the third way you guys can support the show is through the Open Minds Media Merch Store. Over there, you'll find stuff for inquiries. You'll find stuff for Bizarre Encounters. Uh, some other random crypto designs, some holiday designs. I'm trying to expand that also as much as possible. And on social media, I do drop some random promo codes here and there. So if you guys want to check that out and keep an eye out for the promo code, don't forget to follow, of course, on social media. And of course, if there is anything that you really like, you guys can join the Patreon and you'll get exclusive merch store discounts depending on which tier. Uh, The higher tier you get, the bigger of a discount you get. So definitely a little bit more bang for your buck and get a little bit of both worlds and support the show as much as possible. And number four, you guys can leave a review or rating for the show on iTunes or Spotify. Greatly appreciated. And if you guys leave a five-star review, of course, I will read it on the show and give you guys a big shout out. But the only way the show is going to be able to keep expanding is if you guys keep leaving those awesome reviews and ratings and make it so the algorithm pushes the show up even more. Uh, Completely free way of promoting the show as much as possible. And I absolutely appreciate you guys for doing it. And of course, you guys can also share the show through word of mouth. If you think there's somebody that might enjoy a particular episode or the show as an entire whole, you guys can uh, even send them clips from the YouTube or the TikTok, get them into the show. And 
I mean, that'd be really fun if it's somebody at your work, a close friend, you guys can discuss episodes of the show, get into some awesome, bizarre conversations. But the only way that's ever going to happen is with you guys reviewing, sharing, rating, all of that fun stuff with the show. And uh, of course, talking about uh, some more people in the community that I would love to promote as much as possible. Don't forget to go and check out I Know Squatch for all of your Squatchy gear needs. Uh, they have the awesome Creeper design and the Whoop design. Uh, for anybody that sees any of the video content of the show, 90% of the time I'm wearing at least the Whoop hat, but they have absolutely fantastic gear. They're always dropping new stuff. Uh, some of the new stuff that I actually recently received was this awesome camouflage Squatch hoodie that I'm currently wearing. I know that they said there's limited supply of it, but I'm sure if you guys ask enough for it, uh, you'll guys be able to pick some up for yourselves. Great quality. It's a super thin hoodie, but it's super duper warm because it's fleece on the inside. I really like it and it has the little embroidered creeper patch on it. So you ain't got to worry about overwashing it too much. You guys can just wear it as much as you possibly want. Like I said, I absolutely love it. I think you guys definitely will too. And uh, for any other cryptid related gear that you guys might be looking for, uh, be it you guys want to find some Mothman gear, you guys want to find some Flatwoods Monster, uh, Wendigo, uh, literally pretty much anything that you guys could possibly imagine as far as cryptids go. You guys can go and check out Joe over there at Crypto Theology. I know he is in between convention seasons currently, so he's going to be dropping a lot of new awesome designs over there. Um, and I know that he pretty much has any of any big cryptid you could possibly think of. He has multiple series for it. Absolutely fantastic. My closet consists of Crypto Theology, I Know Squatch, and all of my merch designs. And that's pretty much about all I wear at this point. And uh, for all of my paranormal investigators out there don't forget to go and check out the chattergeist it is the all-in-one paranormal investigating device uh, i use it every single time i go out it's my absolute favorite and if you guys have any questions pertaining to it you guys can always go and hit up barry over there on dimension devices he is the guy that programmed and developed it so he can answer literally any technical question you may have on the device whatsoever and i know he dropped some random promos here and there so that's always something to definitely look out for um, i know he has some stuff on youtube from some other people that uh, if you guys want to see it actually in action and actually working absolutely fantastic but if you guys decide to pick that up don't forget to go and use my affiliate link i would greatly appreciate it and it helps out the show like crazy and uh, everything that i mentioned is all available in the link tree which is available down in the show description and with that let's get into the show Please welcome to the show, cryptid artist Jeff Collins. How's it going today, man? Great, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I've been looking forward to this ever since we actually got a chance to uh, meet at uh, Snarly Yow's Halloween cryptid event. Kind of funny, before yeah. I even knew who you were necessarily, uh, my co-host Oren on Bizarre Encounters got me one of your Loveland Frog designs. And then after that, I think I ended up seeing you at Squonkapalooza. We had like a two-second conversation because you were, you know, kind of dealing with uh, customers and stuff at the time. And then we actually got a chance to kind of connect and actually have a conversation at uh, in West Virginia for Snarly House thing. So it's kind of it's kind of funny. We've been kind of dancing around each other for a little while, but we finally made it work, man. Yeah, man, swinging around the same circles. It's great to uh, to catch back up with you. Always fun to talk talk with people at shows and meet new people. Um, it's kind of my favorite part of it. Oh yeah, by far. It's absolutely my favorite part too. Kind of funny. You can't see it up here, but I got your uh, 
your Catman design, the Snarly Yao design, the Loveland Frog design, then I got like three more of your designs that I have in my drawer that I need to get frames for still. So <laughs> I got your stuff scattered all around the studio, man. <laughs> you got me blushing. <laughs> so I guess a good spot to start, man, for anybody that might not be familiar with your work, what exactly the style is of it. I find it absolutely fantastic. And a lot of people, you know, they go to the cryptic conventions, they see the art, they know the art and the way that it looks, but they don't necessarily know the artist behind it. So anytime I get a chance to have one of the artists on, man, I like to kind of fill people in a little bit about the artists behind the artwork. Cause I guarantee you within the crypt community, man, there's a lot of people that may know your art, but not realize that you're the one doing it. <laughs> Yeah, you know, um, the most important thing for me isn't so much pushing out my name, but it's getting my, my artwork out there and, and getting enthusiasm growing for, uh, for the cryptid scene, for the folklore scene. Um, what I've tried to do is, is create artwork that has this vintage vibe to it. You know, I, I think of something that's like if you were to explore your grandparents' attic when you're a kid and you, you dig through like a treasure ch or like a chest and inside there's like, these like old articles or, or maps, you know, something from Goonies, that type of vibe. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's, it's sort of like a Victorian illustration style, sort of a golden age, pen and ink. You think of like woodblock or linoleum cut mixed with pen and ink. Um, and, you know, I've been honing this for, for years and, and I think people are really digging it. You know, I think they get what, what I'm going for here. It just has like this, sort of his feel of history behind it um and they look great framed uh so you can put them in your house and you know people will come and visit and look around and and they'll sort of notice it and then come back and check it out a little bit later and it becomes like a conversation piece um so i've had a lot of fun with that so yeah 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 Dude, I find it absolutely fantastic. That's honestly what drew me to it was the fact that it looks like old newspaper articles. And even like the paper style that you do it on where it kind of has like the yellowy or kind of brownish tint to it just kind of pushes it more so in that direction. And I mean, like you, you cover a lot of stuff like you make the maps. Like I think a lot of people know your work and like it, it definitely catches the eye, man. Like when you when I see you at conventions, you'll have like your full setup where everything's all like layered up and it just it really, really draws you in, especially for the cryptic community. Most of the cryptids that people dig into, you know, half the work you're finding for them is out of old newspaper articles. So it's kind of cool to have like an illustration that kind of fits that that feel. So, I mean, like I'm assuming that, you know, a lot of the people that are just into cryptids or just enthusiasts absolutely love your artwork. But it's something that I feel like a lot of us like researchers slash podcasters especially dig because it has that ambiance of like the old newspaper article research. Right. That's kind of a, I really dig hearing that. Um, it, it, it's great to know that, that I'm getting this feedback and, and yeah, I mean, you know, um, it, it just, it, it, when, when I, when I set up my booth, when I set up my, at, at shows to vend my work, um, it's important to me. So I have a background. I went to school for architecture. I did interior design for a couple of years. Um, and I've been, uh, basically a professional artist for 20 years. Um, so it's important for me. It's like a whole, it's a whole sort of experience when you come, you know, I've got things set up a certain way. I've got a rug out for you. It's inviting. Um, you know, I want it to be an experience and, and I'm part of that too. Like I love to talk to the customers and get them excited and involved and, and, and teach them a little bit about each of these, these cryptids and, and the stories and the folklore behind it. Um, you know, I've got a big passion for that, and I think that people feed off of that. I can't tell you how many times I've, like, been talking to customers who are just kind of like, oh, I'm not really into the cryptid thing. I don't really know what they are. 
then after about five minutes of talking they're they're picking up a couple of my friends <laughs> because it's it's something that everyone can get into i mean it's 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 folklore that we all share it's part of this country um and with all the crazy like digital stuff and and politics and everything going on i think it's something that can bring us all together in a really fun way um so yeah that's what i'm trying to do say it's super inviting too that i mean you travel and do the conventions and everything and even if people aren't necessarily into cryptids as a whole you know there's things that are particular to people's cities or particular to people's areas so i mean you can you end up catching people in just off of that that it's part of like the history of their town for example so it's like even if you're not into necessarily the cryptids you get to learn a little bit and it almost feels like you have a piece of history from your town and especially when it's your own town man it's like you want to keep that folklore alive just because it's absolutely fascinating and if it wasn't for people that are still spreading the word out like i know it's starting to it's becoming popular as far as like uh podcasts and everything goes but for just the people that aren't necessarily podcast listeners that just live in a town you still want to keep those stories alive and pass them around and like you're kind of saying in the beginning just having that piece of art up is a perfect conversation starter where it might be something that's inviting somebody into the town in a way like if they have a family member over that's not from the area they see a picture up and they can get into this whole thing about like oh you know t t 10 miles from here this is where this thing was that was seen at and it just it draws people in it's a good conversation starter yeah yeah and it, it, it you know they'll, they'll look at these pictures like you're, you're talking about the maps i've i've got uh two maps i've got a maryland and west virginia map of course west virginia's got some some, some big names you know it's got the the mothman um you know uh what's the other one the flatwoods monster and so on and so forth i'm just finishing a pennsylvania cryptid and folklore map which is huge it's got a lot of cryptids that probably people haven't heard of but you know, when you when you take it to these to, to to the folks from those states, they really take a pride in that. Like, oh, these are our these are our cryptids. It's almost like having your home team. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's cool and it's fun. I'm hoping that one day you end up doing a Michigan map because I'm you're you're starting to branch out to that area, man. But I'll be the first to buy one of your Michigan maps if you end up doing one. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm from I'm from Maryland, so I'm kind of uh, going outwards from from my home state. So West Virginia, Pennsylvania. Ohio, so it'll sort of, you know, in concentric circles, it'll get out there. So hopefully, I'll be there one day. Just got Ohio next, and then after that, maybe you'll, I'll luck out and you'll end up hitting Michigan. <laughs> right, right, right. So uh, what ended up inspiring you to want to do this style of art? Like, I know that uh, we were kind of talking a little bit at the show, and you said that you do, like, the murals for Trader Joe's and stuff. So obviously, you had that background as far as art goes, but what kind of inspired you to specifically get into, like, the cryptid stuff and to do that style in particular that you really wanted to do? Is it just a matter of, like the ambiance to it or like what's kind of the background yeah, so, to it? So, um, basically, you know, I, I, I grew up watching, you, you know, I'm a, I'm, I'm at the end of generation X. So I grew up watching, um, all these television shows where they would talk about, I mean, the big ones were Bigfoot and uh, the Loch Ness monster. And when they talked about it, this was on like public television on like PBS, whatever. Um, they talked about it like it was real. Like it wasn't like a question of, is this nonsense or whatever they were talking about scientists going and testing the water. You know, this is back in the early eighties. Um, so I just, it was just part of my life growing up and it's always stayed with me. Um, and then when the pandemic hit, you know, I was, I was home with the kids. I'm a solo dad. So, so I had that going on the stress, everything. It was like nice to, find podcasts and podcasts about specifically cryptids 
because I could sort of escape back into this world. And then, you know, being an artist, of course, I start drawing. Um, I live, like I said, in Maryland, right near South Mountain. That's like ground zero for the Snallygaster. Um, I used to drive to and from work every day, and there was a there was a um, a gift shop called the Snallygaster. I said, "That's a crazy name. What's that about?" So I pulled in there, and you know, there was a little booklet about it, and started sketching that, and and you know, it just grew from there. Um, but it's always been part of my part of my imagination, and um, I've just learned so much more about it from from things online, from articles and podcasts. So I think it's. It's just the best. So, and I know that you end up traveling and picking up some stories too. Like you have the one story you're telling me with uh, Jesse from uh, Wizard Clip. And uh, I wanted to kind of dive into some of the more like obscure ones that you've done art for. Like prime example is the, the Catman. Up until I bought this picture, I'd never actually heard of the Catman. And I bought it just because, you know, I've dug into like Dogman being a Michigander and everything. And being somebody that always has been more of a cat person, I found it absolutely fascinating. And I haven't had a chance to really talk about it much on the show. So I'd love to dig into some of the more like obscure stuff that you've come across. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of cool stuff. Uh, the Wacomico Catman, he's, he's from um, the eastern shore of Maryland. There's a dump out there. And, you know, like so many places, kids like to go there and hang out, maybe maybe drive their car up there with their girlfriend and make out or whatever. And there was a couple at the dump doing whatever, and they, they saw some movement in the dump. Oh, what's that? You know, and it got closer and closer, and it's this giant, basically, cat man. Um, and since then, I know there's been some podcasts about other sightings, and apparently there's a town and and. I apologize, I don't remember where it was, but that there's been Catman sightings going on for generations in this one little spot. So I, I think it's it's pretty cool. Um, some other ones, I mean, there's a lot of neat ones. I, I'm, I'm really attracted to some of these odd stories. One in particular from West Virginia. There was a woman, an older woman who who the town you know called a witch, and she kind of she kind of went with it. She liked it. And when she was on her deathbed, um, she asked that they, she asked that they leave her casket open in a creek bed so everyone could see her decay. <laughs> in a creek bed? So That's such a random that. place. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so they did that, and and the the uh, the governor of West Virginia had to get involved to get her off of the the creek. But I think it's just this wild story that that actually happened and. For a while, there was a casket in a in a creek with an open casket with this this woman decaying in it, this witch, um, and they still the creek is still named after her, which is Creek. Um, so stuff like that is really neat. You know that couldn't happen anymore, um, but back then stuff like that went on. <laughs> did you end up doing any kind of art for that? Like, do you have like the casket or like the river art? My, it's on my um, my West Virginia uh, cryptid and folklore map. Yep. And I'm assuming there's probably some type of like a paranormal story that went with that or something that kind of spiraled off of that where like the local kids now think the area is haunted or something like that now yeah, too. Yeah, you know, I, I haven't I haven't researched too deep into that one, but I, I just find that um, interesting. Uh, there's another one that I, I came across. I've known for a while. It's on one of my maps, but I came across sort of this weird connection. Um, in Maryland, it's one of the earliest um, American witch tales was it's called mall dyer's rock and it's about this woman um in the 1600s who you know she lived in this community and the crops went bad and they blamed it on her you know they chased her into the woods she cast a spell okay so 
it's more more involved than that. But what's interesting to me is that in Pennsylvania, there's a witch a hundred years later, and her name is Mall Dairy. So what's so, so okay, that's that's really crazy that there are two witches a hundred years apart and it's Mall Dyer and Mall Dairy. Is there a connection, you know? That seems like too much of a coincidence. And then you track, you can track um, the travels of the Pennsylvania witch, uh, Mall Dairy, also known as Mary Dairy. And she came up from Maryland through um, uh, Harper's Ferry, West Virginia, into Pennsylvania. So I'm starting to think, you know, I don't know if, if this is going anywhere, but, uh, you know, is there a connection? Is that the same person? You know, is, this, is there more to this story than the folklore that, that, that we know about? Um, I just think that's kind of neat. I mean, that could go two ways. Either one, you have the whole idea that, you know, witches essentially could be eternal in a way. So, I mean, it could theoretically be the same person with a different name. Or you have also the possibility that I know I've talked about it a few times as far as like all the Appalachian, New England kind of folklore goes, that you have... You, for a while it was just kind of like an intersection where everybody be kind of crossing around through each other. Yeah. And it seems like a lot of like the, the folklore motifs kind of get pushed into a bunch of different areas where it's kind of like you have this story, this story, and this story. And then you have this story that kind of has similarities with these couple stories. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, is that just a matter of somebody playing telephone and they just ended up combining three stories and called it into this area? Or is it a matter of there's just a bunch of other weird stuff that is just really closely related, all kind of happening in the same area? It's kind of it's kind of hard to dig into necessarily because all you really have is old newspaper articles and stuff about it. But like yeah. fascinating, all the same though. Yeah, I mean, you know, like you said, to me, it doesn't really matter if it's if it's real or not, or if there even is a connection. Just the idea sparks, you know, something inside me that wants to sort of illustrate something about that or, or continue that story. Um, yeah. Makes you wonder if also, I mean, she could have been like a relative too, possibly, because I know that like, you know, everybody kind of assumes that you kind of carry on the last name, but things are a little bit different in the day, back in the day. It wasn't always necessarily that way where maybe they carried on like a first name. Maybe that's partly something that has to do with like witchiness things that like they'll yeah. carry on part of the first name to kind of ca- carry on the legacy because they usually kind of carry the legacy with like the first name. I mean, that that's also definitely a possibility is that they could just simply be related a hundred years later, like her great granddaughter or something. You never know. Someone, ha- someone, a listener has to figure that out. Right. <laughs> and then, um, I, I want to dig, dive back in a little bit into the cat, man. You said that there was uh, multiple sightings of that. And I feel like that's one of those things, man, that it's like you have the dog, man. So of course you have to have the counterpart and have some form of like a cat, man. And I'm sure that you've probably heard some crazy different theories on it. I mean, considering it was in a junkyard, you know, you have that whole like superhero motif that it was like a radioactive cat or something like that, right. or even dig into like the whole idea about these, uh, I guess skinwalkers would be over in like Utah, but like these medicine men that have these like different spiritual weird abilities where people think that they shape shift. Usually what I kind of theorize is maybe they have like the ability to like change perception. So, I mean, maybe that could play a role into it was, it was just simply one of those type of people trying to scare these kids out of the area. But I mean, fascinating all the same, man. Like I, I definitely got to dig more into the Catman myself because I'd love to actually do an episode about it one day. But yeah, it just seems like a, like a counterpart or maybe it's even that possibility that, you know, you have the whole idea where if enough people believe in something, then all of a sudden sightings of it start happening. So, I mean, 
you know, maybe somebody carried on the story from that other area that you were talking about. And it just kind of popped up over here because people had that in the forefront of their mind. But I mean, it kind of curious which way it ends up going. And I wonder if there's any more recent, recent encounters or sightings of this thing. Yeah, I haven't heard. Well, I don't know when the last sighting was, but I do know that uh, a friend of mine, a good friend of mine, she told me this wasn't maybe two or three months ago. Uh, there was a there was a dogman sighting, and it's only about fifteen minutes from where I live. I was like, "What?" Um, so we drove. I drove by with my kids to check it out. It's just you know some some farmland across from a, from a development, but uh, stuff's happening all around. You know, I live in a pretty weird area. There's lots of, of high strangeness going on, and I love it. <laughs> so you guys in Maryland, you guys kind of have, like, your own, like, variation of Dogman because you got the, what, what is it called, uh, Duende? Not Duende. That's, that's Yeah, Duwayo. That's Duwayo. it. Yep. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of weird that, like, when you get over towards, like, Michigan and stuff, it seems like there's more of, like, in Tennessee, Kentucky, over toward a little bit more this way, there's more of, like, the actual physical Dogman where it seems like it's almost kind of has the same kind of ambiance as like Sasquatch, the way he's like built and formed where over completely on the coast, it's more of like the, the black dog lore, like upright standing dogs. Like it's, it's all seems like it kind of fits in the same category, but there's like that slight variation where they're more humanoid. Like when you start going a little bit more West where they're more like dog, like and upright standing dog, like when you get over to like the coast, like where you guys are at. And it seems like a lot of like the black dog folklore kind of originated from Maryland, West Virginia, kind of specifically in that area. And maybe that's kind of just spread out to over here. But I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's all that old world stuff. You know, I mean, I, I think Dwyer is, is Native American. But, you know, you've the black dog, you've got you've got stuff coming over from Germany. You know, the uh, the Pennsylvania Dutch brought a lot of that stuff, that lore with them. Um you know, I mean, one of the oldest um, ghost stories in America <clears throat> is in Maryland, and it's the it's the the blue dog. I don't think I've heard Another, this one before. It's it's really interesting. Um, it has it took place during I want to say the Revolutionary War, and uh, I can't remember the full story, but it's definitely worth looking into. Um, they have a there's a tavern down in on the eastern shore of Maryland named the Blue Dog, and and at one of these shows, like I told you, I love I love talking with with people. And these two guys came up to me. I was in, I think it was Loveland, Ohio at the Frogman Festival. And these two guys came up and started talking to me, these older guys. And I asked them where they were from. And they said, Maryland. I said, oh, no way. I'm from Maryland, too. And like, yeah, yeah. Uh, have you heard of the Blue Dog? I'm like, yeah, it's on my map. And they, they're like, I saw it. Um, so they started telling me the story about how it looked and what size it was and, you know, all these, all these things. Um, it's always fun. It's, 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 it's neat to hear other people's interpretations. Um, but I think that that, you know, that, that dog, that, that dog man or that, that black dog, that's something that's been around for a long time. It's really neat. What do you know? Like the, the kind of background of like the blue dog story. Cause I, I'm not actually familiar with that one. Like, do you know, like where it was originally seen, to, like the story to it or. I used to, but my brain, I've got so many cryptids rolling around in here. <laughs> you and me both, um, man. <laughs> I want to say, I want to say, it was protecting its master. I think, I think, the dog, it, the master had like a treasure or something, and and the redcoats were after him, and they shot him, and he buried the treasure, and the dog protects it forever. Something like that. It's kind of like the specter is still there protecting it, so no one can get this treasure. But I could be off on that. 
Um, that seems like it kind of has some of like the twist of a lot of like the, the Native American type of stuff where there's like spiritual grounds or like burial grounds. And it seems like there's a lot of like the dog sightings around those areas. Like it's some type of like spiritual protection thing. So it's like kind of makes you curious if it's something that got translated over from like Native folklore or if possibly there is something to it. Because the black dog lore doesn't just pop up in, in North America. You have just as much stuff happening over in Europe, too. So it's like yep. it's one of those archetypes that's a little bit of everywhere so it's hard to exactly trace back where like the original origin is of it and depending on where you come from it's kind of depends on like the view you see it in like if you're in america you kind of dig at it from like the native perspective but if you're from european descent then you start digging into it from like the werewolf culture and you know all the different other spectral dog culture as far as like europe goes but it's hard to place exactly like where it actually came from and if it is all real i mean that kind of just shows that kind of everybody had this lump sum idea all at the same time. It seems like they kind of play by a lot of the same rules. So, I mean, like, I don't know, maybe there really is something to it because how would somebody over in Europe and people over in the Americas have the same folklore with the same kind of rules and guidelines to it, even though they hadn't had contact with each other yet? Yeah, it's interesting. (laughs) So, uh, as far as your stuff goes, too, obviously you dig a lot into cryptids. Um, I know you do a little bit of, like, the paranormal stuff, but, like, what's always kind of been, like, your, your personal favorite? Have you always kind of sided more with, like, the paranormal or more of, like, the cryptid type stuff? Uh, I mean, a little bit more towards the cryptid type stuff. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's like waking up Christmas morning and having presents to unwrap for an artist, this cryptid. Because what I mean by that is, like, cryptids you know, there's a little bit of an explanation in the story, a little bit. And then the artist can take that and run with it. So it's like a joy every, every day I sit down and, and try to figure out in my mind, how is this creature going to look? How's that creature going to look? Because you, you, you get these, um, these witness statements and these witness sketches. And for the most part, they're pretty, pretty simple. Um, not much to go on. So, you know, you can take that and run with it. And that's what, that's what I try to do. Um, I mean, even Flatwoods, the original people that saw it literally drew like a spade shape with a circle and two eyes. And that was like the only rendition you really had of this thing. (laughs) I love, I love that one. It's that's that classic sort of like fifties Americana alien vibe. I, I really like that. Yeah. Do you do do you dig a lot into the alien stuff? Like I know I I've kind of like quick glanced over all of your stuff a little bit, but um, have you gotten like heavy into doing like the alien abduction art yet? Because I could definitely see like your artwork with like the Pascagoula abduction or something. Like I, I feel like it would be perfect for that. Yeah, I've done a few things. Um, it's on my list. I did a uh, a light box, which is probably my most popular uh, light box. It's, I cut out, you know, it's it's paper cut, layered. Um, and it's lit from behind, and I have uh, an alien abduction um, light box, which, which, you know, it's I think it's pretty fun. Um, yeah, I love that stuff. I mean, it's all you know, you know, the podcasts I listen to, it's all mixed together: folklore, UFOs, um, aliens, cryptids. I, I, I kind of feel like, to me, the more I get to know this stuff, the more they're similar. You know, they're all kind of the same sort of thing. I don't separate them. I don't, I don't see a difference between say an alien and Bigfoot. I mean, they're all kind of weird, mysterious creatures. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'll probably dig more into that. Um, in, in, in the States I've done so far, there's not too much 
in the way of UFO um, stuff that I've come across, but but it's out there. Yeah, yeah. Dude, just a really cool idea. I mean, you can do whatever you want with it, of course. I'm not telling you anything specific, but you should do a map of the U.S., right? But you should make three variations of it. You should do one that's like the most known paranormal events that have happened in each state, the most known cryptid event in each state, and the most known alien abduction in each state. And just do like, instead of doing your like super intricate detailed map where you have like one state and it's just completely covered in different beings, you should just like kind of take the shape of the state and kind of fill it in with your art style and make like three variation maps. Dude, I think that, I think a lot of people would really, really dig that and have to pick up all yeah, three. <laughs> that'd be pretty sweet. You know, I was thinking, um, I was peddling through my mind the idea of of doing the United States and just a giant map. Uh, it would have to be digital because you wouldn't be able to print it out, but, but with all of my different cryptid illustrations for each state so that you could cycle through and see like hundreds, you know, hundreds of, of cryptids. But I don't know. Um, I, you know, the thing that would be hard for me is to choose which is the best one from each state. Because <laughs> every state has so many. And I fall in love as I'm drawing these you know, I'll, I'll do, like, when I did West Virginia, I'm doing the, I don't know how to pronounce it, but I think it's Ogua. It's a two-headed sort of, like, turtle thing. I fell in love with that, and I was like, oh, this is the best. And then I went on to do Screaming Jenny, which is sort of this, like, folklore ghost. And I'm like, oh, that's the best. So, you know, I really love all of these. They're all kind of like babies to me after I create them. Um, so it'd be hard to choose one for each state. <laughs> You should do it as an art book. That would also be a pretty cool idea where it's like you, you have go. like the front yeah. where it's kind of just like an old school, like, you know, 1800s looking map of like the United States. And then, you know, for each state, you'll have like your cool picture of the state. And then you just kind of have like a flip through of a bunch of your art for each one. I mean, that'd be, that'd be pretty cool because, I mean, I have trouble when I go trying to like pick out which of your art that I want in particular. So, I mean, like I'd, I'd totally be down to buy like a book that's just, you know, you're almost like complete art collection printed in a book. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's part of the plan. I'm working towards, towards that and some other things. Um, you know, I'd like to have a book. Uh, I'm a sculptor, too, and I haven't really shown anyone what I do in that realm, and I'm, I'm kind of working on things right now on that, on that front. And, uh, you know, I sew, so I, I make some sort of, like, stuffed plushy things. I like to do that. I'm always teaching myself um, sort of new techniques to, to be creative with. Um, so, you know, who knows what's going to be in the future, but um, I've got stuff coming down the pipeline. Dude, man, if you set up an online store, just another really cool idea. You're talking about that map where people kind of cycle through and be able to see cryptids for each one. You should do that mm -hmm. as like your online store where you go onto the online store and there's just a map. And then you click on your state and then you can kind of cycle through and be like, buy art for this one, buy art for this one. I mean, I don't know how hard it'd be to develop that, but it'd be a pretty sweet idea for a store. I haven't seen anybody do anything like that before. And it's That's like combining idea. two of now your I'm ideas gonna together. To, I'm going to have to change it over. I just actually, it's funny you brought that up. Um, so it snowed uh, where I live last night and, and I couldn't get to work. So I took the day off. And I started putting together my website because everyone's been asking for so long, hey, can, can we order online? And I really haven't had any, any way to do that. And so I've been building a website now. <laughs> I should redesign it to your specs. Uh, it sounds really good. But, uh, yeah, hopefully when, when, when this show uh, goes on, uh, people can visit StarCruiserStudios.com and you'll be able to um, see and, and purchase some of my work. Uh, not everything will be on the website. <clears throat> There's stuff. I'm kind of old school 
and the fact that there's things that I really want to keep just for people that I meet in person. So certain things like my light boxes and some of my some of the things that I sew, you'll only be able to purchase in person. But all the prints that you're talking about, the maps, all that stuff will be available to everybody on my website. Is it one of those things that just like as an artist, you don't necessarily like you want to have like a face behind the person that you're giving like your artwork to because it's almost like leaving one of your babies behind where if it's like a print, you know, you can you can reprint it as much as you want. No problem. But if you're actually sitting there like hand sewing a plushie, doing any of those types of things, like you, you want to like physically see the person it's going to just so that you like know it's going to a good home kind of a thing. Partially that, you know, partially that um, a part of it is that I'm really trying to uh, keep everything in house. It's really important to me to do everything by hand myself. I, I think that keeps the quality um, at the level that, that I want it to be. Um, so with that, like certain things like sewing, I mean, I can't make enough of those to sell online. They'll, they'll sell out and that'll be it. So I'm not gonna, uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not gonna bother with that. And also the light boxes until I can figure out a way to send them in the mail. I just, I, I can't imagine somebody throwing one of those around in a package <laughs> on somebody's porch. It, it'll get messed up. So, um, that's kind of a practical decision, but I do, I mean, part of it also is, uh, going back to me growing up in the eighties and something I talk about with my friends that I miss. Um, there was this, it, there was a like a magic to that time frame when you didn't have the internet. So to find something, you had to look for it. You had to discover it, right? Like I was into, I built models when I was a kid. I love building models. And my mom, we, we'd have to like drive around like an hour away to this special hobby shop to get the model I wanted. Because you couldn't get it online. You couldn't order it. And I, I love that. I think that's, that, that's kind of something to look forward to. So maybe, you know, if people see me going to another event, they'll, they'll say, oh, Jeff's going to be there. I wonder where he's going to bring something that we can't get online. Um, this, for me, that's magical. Hopefully other people will, will, will dig that vibe too. Um, you know, I kind of miss that stuff. I, I think that um, one of the things also that's important for me as an artist, you know, we're going into this time frame when, when people are choosing to use AI to do artwork. Um, it's quick, it's easy, and it's cheap. Um, and I'm kind of like really not, not for that part of it. Uh, it hurts people um, and, you know, people that I've worked with personally have lost their jobs because of it. Um, and so, you know, the magic that we experience with cryptids and folklore, the magic that we bring to the art, it's kind of soulless when it comes from something that you can just click a couple buttons or type in some, some rules and it pops something out. And so I really want people to, to, to sort of go back in time a little bit and enjoy art that's done by hand. And I mean, it That's totally fits with your motif of like what you do yeah. for your art style. And I mean, normally I get everything signed. I don't think I necessarily got any of your pictures signed by you. So at the next event that I see you at, I'll have to yeah, actually get them. one signed by you. Yeah, bring them and I'll sign it. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> but I mean, you should always just <laughs> I mean, an idea. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. Like I, I, you know, with, with my maps, when I draw all the different characters, I use Photoshop to compile them into one image. So uh, of course I use digital stuff too, but but I try to keep it to a minimum because I, I don't want I don't want us to lose that that creative that hands on technique because there's nothing like it. I mean, 
I mean, you're not necessarily drawing them on there like that. You're kind of just using it as a means to right, splice your stuff together, and you're still doing it manually. It's not like you have artificial intelligence doing it for you. Because, I mean, getting into all those computer programs, that's an art style all of its own because you have to, like, have an understanding of the program to actually, like, create that art. It's not like you can just click a button and have it instantly created for you, you know? So it's it's still oh, kind of yeah. its own field of art, art in its own way, you know? Yeah. It's just kind of missing that, like, personal touch, which is what I really like about like the tangible, like art that like paintings, you know, like ink print, um, you know, like, like the black and white, like pen and ink style that you do. Like, it just doesn't have the same feel if it's done by a computer, you know, like, it's just, I don't know. It just, maybe it's partly because I'm, you know, I'm nineties generation. So a little bit after you, but it kind of has that same feel to it. I remember back in the days when you used to have to run around trying to get stuff and you go to an event and you know, you be like, I have to get this here because I'm not gonna be able to find it anywhere else. So it just ha- it has like a more special sentimental value to it when you kind of leave that yeah. as an opportunity, you know? You had to do a little bit more work to get it, you know what I mean? Exactly. And, uh, yeah, see, you know what you should do, man? Just an idea too. You should do uh, like variations where you only sell them at events, for example. Like maybe like a, you know, one that has like a different coloration to it or something where it has like a, like a rustic kind of brown feel to it. Or if you figured out how to do those, um, you know, like the screen print that people will do on paper, you could do like specific ones that are just screen printed and like number them and stuff. Like there's a lot of opportunity you can do to still have that personal touch to it where even if you are selling the art online, you people still have a reason to go to the event to buy like this particular variation of the art. So I I do actually screen print. I have, I have a, a screen print, um, little studio in my basement. Um, but you know what you're talking about? I, I'm, I'm working towards. So last year was the, was kind of like the first year that I had gotten out there and vended my work. Um, I was testing it out to see how it was doing. It did really well. So now that I know that that's, you know, a direction I want to go in, I'm definitely going to have some, some limited edition things. Um, some special, you, you know, like I, I, I paint color. All the stuff you see that I do for Star Cruiser Studios is sort of this vintage black and white stuff. But I also, you know, every day at work, I paint murals and color and all that. So that stuff will come along, too. Um, Of course, that's going to be more, that's going to be like a higher price point. Um, But this, you know, what I started out with stuff that that, that I wanted basically the average person to be able to, to get a hold of and enjoy. So as I grow, things will things will expand. I mean, I still dig the black and white just as much. Like, even when I used to do, like, art and everything, I always preferred the black and white style. It just has, like, a totally different feel to it, where it's, like, you know, you'll have to... I'm sure you probably already have the idea in your head, but I'm assuming that, like, when you want to do your colorful art for all of your cryptid stuff, are you still going to kind of have the same, like, uh, like old newspaper-y feel to it, but, like, a color variation of it, or is it kind of going to be its, like, own variation and its own different art style away from what you're already doing? Um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of working on a few different ideas for that. Um, but I'm not going to abandon this style. I mean, I've, I've drawn this way for, you know, like 15 years, um, not with cryptid stuff, but in general. So I, I, it, it tickles my brain. Um, there's something about it's, it's really hard when, when, when you've, when you're just working basically black and white, if, if, if you've got like when I paint, it sounds, it sounds weird but it's easier because you've got colors you got a lot more you've got a lot more information that you can put into an image um when it's black and white you know every every line the line weight the way you use it the choices you make really impact the image that much more so it's a cha- it's it's a lot more challenging artistically at least for me 
to do this and do it well. Um, and, and yeah, so, so like I said, it, it tickles my brain. It makes me happy to work this way. So I will definitely continue to do this. Um, I'm just going to add to that some other things as we go. I mean, you could always do it. You said that you had kind of like the Victorian art style. I mean, like that old Victoria Victorian packaging. It used to have like the like watercolor kind of look to it too. Yep. I mean, yep. you always could do color variations of your stuff that you already have, but have it kind of still have that Victorian feel of like the like kind of faded out like watercolory kind of look to it. I'm taking notes, man. All these ideas are good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so, uh, I mean, we, we were kind of talking a little bit about the different types of art you do. You're talking about how you did like, uh, the stuffies. Um, I mean, what, what other stuff do you do? Like in case anybody was kind of curious and they wanted to possibly pick up some of your art, like if they went to go meet you at an event, like what's, what's kind of like your spread as far as like what you generally have in an event. So my main thing are, are my art prints. And then after that, you've got, um, I don't know what to call, I call them stuffies. They're basically like little stuffed. Um, kind of like six or seven inch size um, ornaments, or you could hang them from your rear view mirror, or you just, you know, you can give it to your kid as a plushie. And I silk screen images on the fabric um, by hand, and then I saw them by hand and stuff them, you know, and um, they'll be different cryptids. And I do a limited run, and then that's it, and then I'll go to another cryptid. So I'm kind of like making my way through the first batch that I did, and then, you know, new ones will come out. Uh, I also have T-shirts. I silk screen T-shirts. Um, like I said, in my basement, so it's not coming from a from like China or somewhere else. It's like done by hand, um, and it's you know when you silk screen by hand, the ink is is solid. It's good. Um, it's a high quality T-shirt. Um, what else? What else? I'm sure something I'm forgetting. Oh, the light boxes, uh, intricately cut paper light boxes i have i've done one for krampus i was talking about earlier the uh alien abduction one um i've got a frogman loveland frogman one and a witch one i do a lot of like kind of witchy shows up in up in pennsylvania it's really popular up there uh and i have plans for some more in the future those take a lot of time to make so i i do a more just to just to get that creativity out um because i'm probably losing a lot of money on each one that i sell but they're so much fun to make yeah i'm surprised you haven't made like a bigfoot one i can kind of like see it in my head where you have like the layers of trees kind of going back and then you maybe have like a black ink yep. or a black like yep. a paper bigfoot in the background of it i'm, I'm sure you probably already kind of have that idea in your head <laughs> yeah bigfoot so bigfoot um he, everyone's asking when I'm going to do like, like my Bigfoot stuff. I have a few on some maps, but I, I'm really working on something special for him because, you know, I mean, he's a popular guy, so I can't just throw out any old Bigfoot illustration. Um, I'm working on something that uh, it's going to be pretty special. Uh, so that's coming out and, you know, maybe a light box in the future. Um, we'll see. We'll see to check out my website <laughs> and then uh, are you planning on um you said that you use some sculpting and stuff are you eventually trying to get to a point where you start having like sculpted figures too as far as your uh, vending stuff goes yeah so i had toyed with early on um last year sculpting you know with clay and and making casts or casting it and, and all that but um 
making molds and, and, and casting it. But, but I think I, I was looking into it and there's so much more you can achieve now with these um, resin 3D printers. Because you can do something when, when you're talking about making cast molds and casts, you have issues with undercut, and that's hard to explain, but it, it affects the detail you can get out of something. You can get so much more detail out of a resin 3D printer, like unbelievable detail. So I'm thinking of going into that realm with my, with my stuff. Now that's going to be, you know, I'm, I'm taking about six months to learn some stuff and teach myself some, some, some information to get that going. But uh, hopefully that's, that's what we're going to be doing soon. Were you uh, doing like the, the original thing where you'd kind of like, you'd make like the mold of it and then you kind of fill it in with the injection plastic or whatever you happen to mold into it? Because I mean, like you're talking about how you wanted to have like a differentiation between the stuff you sell online and the stuff that you vend in and the stuff that you want to vend, you want to have more of like that personal touch. So, I mean, if you have the background of that, you could kind of do variations of both because I'm sure that there's a lot of people that like that feel like the old school imperfect toys that you could like make little figurines that are just like the yeah. you know, fill in the injection mold kind of a concept and you can come up with some pretty cool looking stuff and it, it will kind of yeah, fit your you ambiance could... of everything too, especially if you found a way to possibly do it in like pewter or something, you know, it could be like the Victorian age, little yeah. like metal soldiers, but like a cryptid yeah, yeah. variation of it. No doubt. I mean, there's, there's all kinds of options and, and I'm looking into the different directions I can go with that. It's, it's pretty exciting. And you know, a lot of people, a lot of people are, are putting their, um, their, their digital files online so you can buy them and print stuff yourself. But, but I think it's exciting for me to create something from scratch that nobody's going to have that I can show up with and, and um, hopefully people get excited about. Um, so, yeah, that's something I'm, I'm starting to get involved with right now. And, and hopefully in six months to a year, we'll, we'll, we'll see the results of that. I'm looking forward to it, man. It's all about finding your niche in the community and then just like running with it. Cause you know, everybody seems the same kind of generic, you know, the usual like Bigfoot picture where he's doing like the peace sign or it's the side view and he's doing like the, the rock on finger thing. So it's like, it's always nice. And I always absolutely love finding the people that have like their own variation and style that can't be mimicked and they just like run with it. it yeah. I think you've found your niche, man. You just got to like stick with it. Like the vintage style for you. Yeah. I haven't seen anybody else really run with that in the crypto community. And that's one of my favorite parts about the art style that you do. Thank you. Yeah, I definitely, I mean, I think you can tell when, when you go and see my stuff that, that it's unique. It's, it sort of, um, stands out from, from other things. Um, there's a lot of amazing, uh, artists and craftspeople at these events and I think all of them make great stuff, but you know, I wanted to be definitely different. I wanted to stand out in my own way and, and I think I'm doing that so far. And uh, going back to your booth, too, uh, just because I found it fascinating, I feel like the listeners might also find it fascinating. Uh, you had that tile up behind your booth, and I kind of right. was asking you a little bit about it. So, I mean, for the listeners, like I said, I think they might find it interesting. Um, you know, people that might be looking forward to possibly even seeing you at events coming up. Uh, why don't you let them know a little bit about the background of, like, what exactly that is, where it came from, and why you like having it up on your booth? Yeah, so um, it's it's basically a background backdrop for my work uh, i have it on an easel behind my my booth so so basically you know like like a photo backdrop it's what it looks like however it's i made it out of wood it's cut out and it's a star it's a it's a, it's a square but it's one of those um uh like quilt stars uh and most people don't pay any attention to it and i can always tell somebody that really knows their stuff because they know instantly oh that's a seven point star um seven point stars are extremely rare um, 
And they were used in Maryland and Pennsylvania and probably other parts, too, uh, to keep away bad things, uh, particularly the Snallygaster. Um, they would paint them on their barns because it was like a level of protection. Um, so that's what it stands for. And it's kind of like an Easter egg for people who, who know, you know, the deep things about this, this kind of folklore. It's kind of fun. Wasn't uh, the Snallygaster was the one that uh, when people were having like damaged onto their barns from whatever, they were trying to say, oh, it was the Snallygaster that did it. Right. So I'm kind of right, curious right. if it's like you have that symbol up on your barn and an officer <laughs> that's like familiar with the folklore or whatever comes to your barn and you're like, hey, my barn got destroyed by the Snallygaster. He'd be like, how does how did that happen? You have a seven point star on your barn. <laughs> yeah, right. right. The Snallygaster is one of those ones, man, that it's just, it's so split between a lot of different things. Um, like I had, you, you know, Susan, the uh, red-haired uh, author that was at um, the cryptid event that we were both at? She's also um, from Maryland. I, I met her. I don't know her that well, but I did meet her there, yeah. So uh, she was kind of talking about uh, the background of the Snallygaster on the show, and she was talking about how originally, like, the folklore based upon it was basically trying to scare African-Americans away from being out at night, from all of this. And then it kind of side-tangented this whole, like, oh, this thing was doing whatever, and it destroyed part of my barn. And it kind of it spread into a lot of different places. And it's one of those, like, yeah. weird pieces of folklore that I found interesting because it has such a bad connotation to, like, the origin-origin background of it. But because right. it was such a fascinating creature... Like people kind of look over that, and most people that know about the Snallygaster don't really know its like true origin of it. Like the main part that people are concerned about is like, oh, Roosevelt went looking for the Snallygaster. So I right. mean, it's got there's got to be something to it, you know? <laughs> well, it's connected. I mean, you know, they like you said, they took it even during Prohibition. You know, then then you get the whole story of moonshine and and, and the connection with the, the death of the Snallygaster over the moonshine still, and then you've got the. Um, the, the earliest, one of the earliest mentions of men in black, maybe they were the ones who destroyed the carcass. And so it's really fun to see it, it transform uh, over time. You know, it came from, from Germany and originally the Snallygaster was Schnellgeist, quick ghost. Um, so you can see from then how it transformed, um, yeah, until present day. And uh, it's, it's really popular around here. People, people love that. Everywhere uh, in Maryland that I go, I'll, I'll run into um, at least one or two people who, who remember their grandparents or their parents, you know, scaring them um, when they're camping about stories of the Snallygaster. So it's a, it's a good one. You said that uh, it originated in Germany. Did it have the same look to well, it? Or the did name did, I, I think the name more so than, than the actual um, image of the creature I'm not sure if if they had if it was a chimera that came from Germany, but certainly Schnellgeist is where Snallygaster came from. And that was the name, Quick Ghost. And there's a few different descriptions. Um, I mean, considering that you know you're you're somebody that's actually from Maryland, uh, like what was the kind of the, like the description of the creature that you grew up with? Because I know again, there's some like slight variations to it depending on who you ask. Yeah, um, it had a uh, it had one eye. It had a beak with razor sharp teeth. Um, it was covered in scales, had wings with feathers, um, you know, like talons, a tail. And uh, what is most fascinating to me is that it had tentacles. Um, there's, there's some argument over where the tentacles come from. Do they come out of the mouth or the neck or the chest or whatever? Um, but that's, that's pretty wild to have this like dragon creature 
with tentacles hanging out. Um, yeah. And uh, just just out of curiosity, too, just because I, you know, there, there's a lot of people that are interested in cryptids for, like, the folklore standpoint, but they don't necessarily believe in the possibility of them. Uh, like, where do, where do you kind of sit on the fence in? Do you believe in some of these cryptids? Are there some that you feel just are definitely, like, out there and just don't exist at all? Like, where, where do you kind of sit on the fence with all that? Well, you know, <laughs> I'm kind of a skeptic, but that doesn't mean that I'm not open to the stuff. Uh, to me, it's, I love the stories. I think they're great stories, um, regardless of if they're made up or, or real. And, and, you know, that's where my mind goes. It's just, just these ideas and, oh, wouldn't that be neat to see this thing flying and, and grabbing, you know, livestock from the farmers or, or seeing Bigfoot in, in the woods. Um, you know, I, I, yeah, I'm a little bit of a skeptic, but but I hope the stuff is real. I'll say that. I, I hope to see this. You know, I, I would love to come across some of these creatures. Well, maybe not all of them, but not a dog man. Yeah, <laughs> right. right. Um, yeah, but uh, you know, I, that's that's. I just think you know this stuff, cryptids, folklore, the UFO stuff, and everything else that you throw in there. I just love the idea of it. It's it's really neat, you know. I mean, as far as cryptids go, everybody has their one that it's just like, yes, this is what I believe in. So, I mean, like, just for the sake of fun of it, man, if it is, do you have, like, your one cryptid that you're like, yes, this this is a thing that exists out there? That's, let me think. I mean, I guess, I guess if, if, if I had to pick one, it would be sort of like the Loch Ness Monster or some kind of the water you know, creatures like every, every lake has a version of that i think something like that could be legit i mean there's so much in the ocean that it's huge right and it's mostly uh, you know we, we haven't explored much of it I, I think if if anything were to be real it would be something like that um i mean the kraken in a way was kind of proved to be real and not exactly in like the folklore way but i mean giant squids uh, attacking boats yeah, thinking right. there are whales i mean that's straight something from mythology that later on we kind of approve that it actually does exist it's just that the stories you know telephone fishing stories you know all that goes through the generations <laughs> right right and they find so many weird things down down in the ocean down in the depths so you, you never know i think another place where things it's really neat to think about is up high up in the sky you know like way up there who knows what's what's flying around maybe there's little creatures or, or or something that you know that'd be that'd be neat to think about yeah it's like the organic ufo concept or just like those the sky jellyfish concept yeah yeah i don't me personally i don't think it's if, if there is something up there it's probably not huge probably like smaller things but you know i mean you hear stories i mean fact where where these like giant masses of spiders they just get lifted up into the the atmosphere and they float around and they come down on their on their strands on their webs and they'll cover cars and trees in the street and i mean that's that happens so who knows maybe maybe something has figured out a way to stay up there um i mean just to know, expand on that too you got the kentucky meat shower like they, they try to say that that came from vultures, but my belief on it, man, I just recently did an episode on it in Bizarre Encounters, and I think if vultures were involved, the lady that originally saw the meat fall from the sky would have looked up and saw some kind of vultures or something, or saw some kind of bird and, like, related to that. The fact that, like, because if something falls from the sky, your first reaction isn't you're looking down, you're looking up 
<laughs> to see what there is. Right. And if there was anything in the sky, I feel like she would have reported it. So I don't necessarily think that one was vultures. So like that's just a possibility of if there is stuff existing that high up, the Kentucky meat shower could have been a prime example. And that could have been somewhat regularly, you know, but it's just one of those things either one doesn't get reported or if nobody's around to witness it, nobody necessarily knows that it happened in the first place. Right, right. Yeah. But I usually like my hill to die on is the uh, the cryptids in the ocean because again you never know what could be down there and as far as exactly. like the Sasquatch stuff goes just because it's a little bit of everywhere um, I mean there's so much like trace evidence that people have uncovered and I definitely think that they're like intelligent enough to like stay away from people you know they may not have as as big of numbers as they may have used to have had back in the day when like the natives were talking about them and having like communication with these things, but whether they are still around or they've become extinct, no matter which way you look at it, my one that I think is definite is the Sasquatch idea. And like I said, even if they're extinct now, and maybe that's the reason nobody's finding them, there's just too much of it, a little bit of everywhere that I do believe firmly that there was some type of, other variation of man or some other variation of just like a, a humanoid that existed in the woods and just resorted back to that primal state. And maybe part of the reason why everybody's so fascinated by it is because of just that exact idea that there's like this primal state being, and everybody has this, this want to be in the woods to want to be in nature. So it just, it calls out to people. Cause it's like Sasquatch. It's always like these super woodsy guys yeah. that are into Sasquatch and stuff. And it's like, everybody has that calling, man. Like I've said it a few times in the show and it's been a while since I've said it, but most people decorate their house with like pictures of the outside, pictures of the woods, pictures of whatever. So it's like, essentially we may not want to admit it because we're modernizing and we want to live in these cities and these communities and all that. But like, man has a need and a want to be primal and to go back in nature. And I think that's why Sasquatch is going to be one of those things that's always around just because it fits a niche in the human psyche that needs to be filled that we're just so far straight away from that. Even if people don't realize it, you have like a subconscious want to pull towards that and be something like that because that's our roots. That's what we originally were. We're just some upright apes running around in the woods at one point and you know, people, people know that it's, it's still repressed in your mind somewhere, you know? I dig it, man. I can't, I can't think of anything that would make me happier than, than someone to, to find, you know, to find a, an actual Bigfoot to, to bag it and bring it home. And, and I mean, like I said, you know, when I was a kid, it wasn't even, it wasn't to question back then. I mean, yeah, it existed. We just hadn't found it yet. You know, um, the Patterson Gimlin footage, I, I was just looking at that a little bit this weekend and oh, I love it. You know, like one minute I'm like, nope, nope. Next minute I'm like, yeah, yeah. You know, um, I love it. Uh, so I hope, I hope you're right. I hope we, I hope we find stuff like that. Um, and I'm sure we will. I'm sure there's things out there that, that will surprise us and, and, and fill that excitement that we've got. See, that's like a double-sided thing because it's like I want there to be proof of Sasquatch, but at the same time, if there's proof of Sasquatch, then we can't theorize about it anymore because then it turns well, into a science thing, that right? it's there, you know? <laughs> that's the thing, right? It's like, you, you, yeah, you, you, you get it, but then you lose the magic of not being able to reach it. It's like it's that, it's that thing I was – it's similar to that thing I was talking about earlier. You know, you, it, it's something you have to work towards. Once you get it, you've got it, and that's it. But if it's still just like one step ahead – it, it, it'll keep you going. It'll keep you, you know, looking for the answers and looking for, for the, um, the evidence. And I think that's, that's, it's a great thing to have, you know, I mean, there's not much left. There's not much left in the world to, to try to figure out. So, 
you got to hold on to these things. At least on land. We can go, the water, that's where everything's at, but it's a matter of like the average person can't just be plummeting into the bottom of the ocean to try to discover no, something, you know? Do, I'm not trying to get in a submarine. Not, no. Yeah. You know what happened. <laughs> yeah, we we'll end up with another Ocean Gate experience. Uh, yeah, right. People start making home subs. <laughs> but see, like. Stick to sub drones. <laughs> That's the, that'd be the way to go. You have to try to develop some type of drone. But then again, it's like the government can't necessarily have that out in the mainstream because who knows what type of technology they're hiding. Not necessarily like, oh, they have like UFOs under the water necessarily, but just like any type of like sub, for example, that's hidden in an area or this or that, like stuff that the government doesn't want people to know about just because it's being used for military practice. It's like they, they just can't have people with drones in the ocean. Otherwise, they're going to be like, fuck, look, we just found a Russian sub. Be like, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Not to get too political, but but my, my feel is that uh, they're so stupid. All they're trying to do is defense stuff down there. So they're probably, you know, taking these drones right by like, oh, there's a there's a ancient dinosaur creature. And oh, we don't care because it doesn't have to do with uh, missiles and and, um, you know, global defense or whatever. Um, yeah, but dude, let's hope we find something down there. I think that would be really cool. Dude, talk about some stuff that people could personally dig into, man. It wasn't too, too long ago that they discovered basically like America's Stonehenge that's under the water in Lake Michigan, right over by, I guess, like the north western side of the state. I don't know too, too much about it because people really haven't been able to do much research into it. But somebody discovered that there's like these form these these rock structures that are under the water that I think are like like a mile or two off of like the coast of the water. So it's like, again, not the average person could get to it. It's not necessarily super deep, but it's something that we know about, but we haven't actually done too much research into, because I feel like it was more so somebody found it in passing and nobody's actually taken the time to actually like figure out about it. But in, in reality, I mean, Stonehenge is outside of the water and it's still just as mysterious as the first day we found it. Cause we know absolutely nothing about any of these rock structures and what they could possibly be. So, I mean, the same could go with this thing. You could have people that are down there researching it, but it doesn't necessarily mean we're going to get anywhere farther with it other than theories. <laughs> That's wild. I got to look into that one. Hey, that might be a cool one to do a uh, picture for if you end up doing that Michigan map. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. yeah I got to, I, I'm telling you, after this, we got, I got to get all these notes from you. You got some good ideas. <laughs> hey, man, I like throwing ideas. That's always the fun of it. If I have somebody on that's a researcher, I'll throw some theories at them. If I got somebody that's on that's an artist, I throw some other theory, some ideas at them, man. It's part of the fun of the show, man. I like uh, being oh. able to bounce ideas and go back and forth and not keep it like the typical interview people go into. Because it's like, I hate when somebody will go on a show and they'll do the same interview 10 different times. That's why I try to I try to make it a little bit different for people and just kind of have it be laid back, have it be fun, no pressure, so that people aren't like, you know, feeling like they have to be in their best behavior for the show. You can just have fun with it, man, and just let it kind of yeah. flow organically where it happens to go, man. But uh, I guess with that, uh, we're starting to wrap up towards the end of the show. And uh, I always like to do words of wisdom from the guests to the listeners. So if there's any words of wisdom you'd like to bestow on the listeners, maybe even to specifically the artists out there, whatever you happen to feel, man, uh, what, what's some words of wisdom you'd like to bestow on the listeners? Uh, I mean, I think, I, I think something positive that I can put out there for everybody, just be creative, you know, um, do your thing, create something you know, like, like you, you're doing your, your podcast. I do artwork, do music, people are creating things when they do sports, just do something that, that you enjoy and, and create something for the world. That that's my, that's my advice. Ain't make that the happy, truth, man. Make everybody else happy. And then you can all collab together 
as a community because i mean the crypt community is like a prime example man it's vast you got researchers you got podcasters you got artists you got you know just a wide range of people but everybody comes together under one idea but it's like if people didn't follow their passions then you wouldn't have this awesome collaborative community exactly. of all these different forms of creators man and everybody i've met in this community everybody's been so cool so nice um i love it it's it's yeah, man, this community is great. Dude, it's an auxiliary rush. I look forward to going to any event, dude, just because I get to meet new people. I get to see friends. Like my, my favorite times, man, are when we, I get to meet up at these conventions and get to talk to everybody. And like I said, it was yeah. just, it was so weird that we like kind of intermittently kind of passed each other for a while. And then we finally actually sat down and talked just because I walked past your booth. And I'm like, dude, I have some of your art in my house. And I think I told you that it's Guancapalooza, but again, you're kind of busy talking to a few people there. So we didn't really get the opportunity, but I'm glad at the last show, man, we made it work. We came around to it. And now we got a friend, man, that I'm going to be super excited anytime I go to an event and see you there. Definitely, man. Definitely. It's, it's been fun and it's been a great time talking to you and, 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 um, and learning things from you and, and, you know, I hope that uh, people can can learn from both of us uh, a little bit more about cryptids and the paranormal and all this um, unique stuff. Keep it in the foresight so that we, uh, you know, don't, don't end up losing folklore in the long run. Yeah, yeah. So uh, also for anybody that might want to pick up some of your art, um, maybe follow you online, share some uh, share some stories about some possible like local cryptids that they have, um, or even some of the events that you might have coming up. Uh, why don't you let everybody know where they can find you online and maybe your next couple events that people can come and check you out at. Sure. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Star Cruiser Studios. Uh, I have a website where you can buy some of my stuff at StarCruiserStudios.com. Um, and I've got a lot of events coming up. Uh, February, I've got, I'm in Pittsburgh at World Oddities Expo, I think 27th, 20, somewhere around the 20th. Um, and then I'll be just on a roll and I'll, and I'll post things as they come up. Um, but it's going to be a busy year. I think I picked up twice the amount of shows that I did last year. So I'm excited to see everybody. That's awesome, man. And uh, just out of curiosity, um, are you going to be at Squonkapalooza too again this year? Yes, and that was a great event. So f for all the listeners going to be out there, I'm going to be speaking that event. You're going to be out that event. So highly recommend coming out to that event, coming and saying hi to both of us. And uh, just another one to throw in there, because um, I know my other my other ones that I'm guaranteed for this year. I'm assuming you're probably going to end up at uh, the Cryptid Halloween thing again this year. Um, yes. And then beyond that, are you going to by chance be at uh, Small Town Monster Fest? I will. Oh, awesome. So I'll see you there too. All the events that I'm going to, yeah, you're going to be at this year, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I look forward to seeing you there. Hey, man, and our kids can hang out. I know at the end of when we were starting to wrap and clean everything up, um, my daughter was hanging out with your kids and stuff. So, yeah. hey, man, I'll give them somebody that they can all kind of keep each other preoccupied, hang out with each other and form some more friends in the community and, you know, build up the next generation of the community. <laughs> exactly, exactly. That sounds like a plan. If you guys enjoyed this episode, don't forget to leave a review or rating for the show on iTunes or Spotify. And of course, if you guys leave five stars, I will read on the show and give you guys a big shout out. And if you think there's anybody that might enjoy this particular episode, I don't care if they're a friend, I don't care if they're an enemy, I don't care if they're just a random colleague you might know, share the shit out of the show because that's the only way that it's going to keep getting pushed up in the algorithm and make it so that more and more people are able to see the show. And anything you guys do, I greatly, greatly, greatly appreciate. 
And uh, if anybody wants to get a hold of me for any reason whatsoever, you guys can do so through social media. Uh, the ones I'm most active on is Instagram and Facebook, of course. Or you guys can email me at increaseofourrealitypodcast at outlook.com. Or you guys can go to the link tree and fill the submission form all the way at the top. Or if you guys have any encounters that you'd like to report, no matter how big, no matter how small, I would absolutely love to hear about them. We can keep it between us. I can promote it on the show a little bit and we can talk about it, uh, but we'll have some back and forth. I might even be able to come in investigating, investigate it depending on where you're at. But if you guys have any encounters to report, you guys can do so to OMMEncounterReports at Outlook.com or you guys can go to the link tree and there is a specific submission form for that that says report an encounter. So don't forget to do that. And uh, everything that I've mentioned is all available in the link tree, which is available down in the show description. And with that, hope you guys enjoyed the conversation and I'll catch you on the next one. Have a good night, everybody. Mm-hmm.